Hi, welcome to this Property Live podcast. My name is Mark Winship. I'm a property investor and mentor, and each week my friends and I will be speaking to inspirational people about their adventures in property. This week I'm talking to Jill Green. Jill talks to me about how she's finding so many deals at the moment, despite the challenges in the market right now. She talks about the importance of being driven by a strong purpose and how she's now flipping properties and investing in HMOs having achieved her financial security and and having quit her job based on a foundation of buy-to-lets. There are so many nuggets packed into this episode. So without further ado, let's hear now from Jill Green. Hi, Jill. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Mark. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, great, great to be speaking to you. I've I've been really looking forward to this catch up. There's so much I want to uh, to have a chat to you about. I know you've got a huge amount going on at the moment, but um, I wanted to get your thoughts first of all on like the state of the market right now because it's just crazy, isn't it, out there that the, the the property market is red hot all over the country. And I know that you know a lot of people, particularly people trying to start out investing. Um, are struggling right now and struggling to to, to find deals and, and but I know you've got so much going on so what's your take on the market right now and, and, and what are the projects that you're currently working on? Yeah um, well like just to start off like I totally agree it, it, it is crazy yeah. um, alongside our investment stuff we're also looking for um, to buy our, our new home and yeah like we're having to offer like ridiculous amounts over home report and still not getting properties that we're offering on so totally get that it's harder um but absolutely not impossible right now as an investor and you just have to to widen i suppose your net and we are when i think back like now versus like four or five years ago like it's all about it's it's not all about right move. Like I think our first five properties, I think were all bought. They were on market. I think one was like going on market, but we got it before it went on market. But mainly all right move. Whereas now, like not many of the ones we're buying are on right move. So to give you an idea, we've got a flip that we're just finishing just now, and we got that we completed in that February. So. The market was start, starting to go a bit crazy then. Um, we got that off market through a connection that we had in, in a lo- lovely little, I think it's like the last village in Glasgow, but it's a lovely little community, let's say, that not that many houses go up for sale. And we've ma- we managed to pick up a two-bed house there. Um, so we've been refurbing that. Basically, everything needed done. Like it's it's been lovely. Um, and um, right now I'm just kind of finishing that off, doing the staging. Um, I've got the staging out there tomorrow. Um, that's a flip. Great, um, great time to be flipping. Great time to be flipping properties. There's always opportunities, isn't there? Somewhere <laughs> in the market cycle, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we're actually about to complete next week, hopefully, just waiting on some refinance money coming through from two buy to let. Um, we're completing next week on a three bed house um, in our investment area. And it, it's an airshare, actually, where the majority of our portfolio is. But again, this is a flip. Um, we bought this on market. Um, even though I was saying not much on market just now, this was on market. 
Um, but where I'm finding quite a lot of opportunity, and I suppose like it's been drummed into us over the year, this is what you should be doing, is the follow-up. Um, this property was one that my husband had saw on right move, um, but by the time he'd phoned up to get a view in, it's actually gone under offer. So we kept tracking it, and lo and behold, it came back up again. Um, and he phoned that day. We got in, got a view in, and we offered straight away. And we actually got it accepted. I think it was like twenty-five-ish thousand pounds under the previous offer. Um, wow. But because it had taken that long to go through conveyancing on the previous offer, then it kind of fallen down. Um, then the send the seller, like the property was empty, so the, it was costing them. Um, the seller was pretty motivated. Um, and we were able to get that property. So yeah, we're picking that one up uh, next week, hopefully, and we'll get started on that one. Um, so we are still looking for um, buy-to-lets. Um, we've got an HMO that um, down in the, I'm saying down south, it's down south to us, but up north to you. Um, so it's in the northwest um, of England. Um, it's just getting tenanted at the moment, actually. Um, and we were just um, kind of seeing this was our first HMO. We were just seeing how that was going. And before we go and, and buy a new one, we just want to, I suppose it's always like you want to prove Test that, the that yeah. all works yeah. um, to give you the confidence to go again or like whether we need to tweak our area or tweak our offering a little bit. So that's all seems to be going okay. I think hopefully over the next like week or so we'll we'll have that fully tenanted. Um and yeah, we'd already we've started looking in the area um for the next one. I definitely see that it's tougher to find um something compared to when we bought that one because that was bought at the turn of the year. Um However, I do believe there's still opportunity out there, but I suppose it is just a case of working harder, spreading your net, speaking to everybody, um, being consistent, getting out on the ground and, and really doing that follow-up because you just never know. I think with the crazy market, with maybe people paying maybe over the odds, um, some people don't realise, and it's, it's totally crazy, but some people don't actually realise that, well, if they're paying over the home report, or obviously in England, like over, uh, over what it's advertised as, then if, if the valuation comes in, like with the bank, like lower than what you've offered, then you have to stump up that cash. And like what I've found is the reality, some people just don't, don't actually understand that and things are falling through. Yeah. Um, so the follow up, I think, is important. Um, the other thing that I have noticed, obviously, one of the things that's driving the, the craziness mm -hmm. is the lack of stock. Um, and I was on um, doing one of the masterclass sessions the other night there um, and we were looking at the turn rate in the market. So we we're looking at flips and um, like, year, like a few years ago, I was always like, oh, like fifth, if you're seeing like if you're searching on right move and, and you see like more than 50% of the stock on right move under offer or in the conveyancing mm. process, then that's like a pretty hot market. Mm. And when I was looking at it the other night there, I was like, wow, like it's up in the 70s. Yeah. Um, not all areas obviously, but like the area that I was looking at, I was like, God, yeah, yeah you can really see what's going on there. 
yeah absolutely the ch so the churn rate is is basically the difference between the number of properties that are up for sale and those currently going through conveyancing right that's that's what you mean by the yeah. churn rate. yeah absolutely and i think i think it's such a good point that you make that right you know deals are never going to fall into your lap at the, at the best of times you know we've got to be out there we've got to be speaking to people we've got to be building relationships and it's a question of doubling down on all of that kind of activity that that we know to do as professional investors um that you know your your first time buyer or or even you know your sort of your, your armchair investor for want of a better term doesn't doesn't know to do or doesn't know how to do so you know following up is 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 such an important skill and discipline i think to have um, as uh, as a professional investor, isn't it? And you know, I think you know if you're getting disheartened because properties are flying off right move and, and they're selling before you've even managed to get to the viewing and, and that kind of thing. That's a great example of how you can still turn that into a deal. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I just think I suppose it's easy to do and it's easy not to do, right? Like it's yeah. like you've just got to choose what path you're wanting to take and. The thing yeah. that the thing that I always remind like myself and Dan and my husband about and we always do is we go back to basics whenever things start to feel tough, we go back to basics. And when I think back to the, the flip we're gonna complete on next week, um well hopefully next week, um the thing that we did actually was we totally went back to basics. We always like basically pulled together like a board or and like put forty boxes on it. And just yeah. go for no yeah. um, and just fill the board like focus on action rather than result and just completely focus in on it and it, we were laughing because actually that was the second property we offered on uh, when we were doing that board this is like the best result we've ever had doing this board yeah. it was like two offers in and we had one accepted that was brilliant yeah. um, but it just shows you like you've just got to go and i suppose just put like put the work in and, and do it and feel uncomfortable and you'll get it. Um, yeah, you've just got to go through that feeling hard phase, isn't it? I heard a great quote the other day, which was nothing to do with property, but it was something along the lines of, you can't afford to wait for life not to be difficult in order to decide to be happy. And I thought yeah. that got me thinking about investing in property and thinking there's there's always a reason not to do something. You know, you can't afford to wait for just the perfect market conditions and everything, because there's always going to be, you know, at the moment it's, you know, houses are going for crazy prices and going for above asking price. You know, other times it's down valuations. You know, are we going to get the uplift? Is the is the are the pro is the property market going to crash because of Brexit? And if you're looking for a reason not to do it, you'll always find it. So I think, you know, that's a great example. You know, you're so active. I mean, how many. How many deals have you done or got going through then during lockdown? I mean, you've, you've talked about must be three or four there already. Yeah, I mean, during like lockdown last year, I think we did about six or seven buy to lets. Um, <laughs> and then obviously we've got the flips and we bought the HMO as well. Um, so we were still buying um, like and, and some people thought the, the market had closed down and it hadn't. Yeah. Um. There wasn't stuff coming on the market as much, but again, it's just working harder, like going out and speaking to other investors, putting it out there. I think just like actually physically saying, "I'm looking to buy this." Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, do you know anybody who's looking to sell this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. It's amazing what a bit of chat had. Like yesterday, I um, got a message from a guy um, that I don't think I've seen for over 20 years. Like, uh, it's making me feel old, actually, because I was like, I last saw him at school. Yeah. Um, and he, he just messaged me at the blue saying, I know you buy houses. I've got this house. Um, do I come and see it? And I was like, yeah. So I went there last night. Um, unfortunately, like where my view of what it's worth and where um, he's, what I think he's been told by a, an estate agent that it's worth X and it's probably more worthwhile. Um, hopefully you'll get it because you're yeah, the market. Yeah. Maybe lucky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just that just came about because I put it out there that I look for houses. And, and the more you do that, it will, it will come. So yeah, no, totally agree. So the, these these skills, these habits, these the So where's all that come from? You know, what, let's t let's take it back to the beginning. So how did you get into property in the first place? And I guess what gave you the confidence to to put it out there and 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 and, and do some of those things that you're talking about? Yeah. So. We, um, so myself and my husband, Darren, we kind of had to kind of typical, like, we both, like, grew up, like, did okay at school, went to uni, um, thought we were going to end up being absolutely loaded because we were going to get this amazing job when we left uni, um, or like, at least that was my view, um, then quickly realised, yeah, you're going to have to work lots of hours. Um, I ended up working in the energy sector and kind of marketing product development jobs for most of my career. Um, kind of went in straight from uni, worked up, like had a pretty good job, like really, really enjoyed some some of my things that I worked on. I was a partnership manager in the end, so I worked with some of the, the bigger brands like Marks and Spencer's. Um, Argos managing kind of white label energy companies so I was a bit of traveling there to London which was really exciting for me mm -hmm. from being a little like a wee girl from the country and, and like kind of Ayrshire in Scotland so really loved it um, but I was working long hours yes I got paid well but um, when I, like, I met Darren total cliche at Christmas night out and, and work um, he literally just sat like back to back to me uh, in the office um, but basically when we got together it was like we loved going out for meals we loved um, like going on holiday um, we got we bought a house with a garden so we could get a dog that sort of thing it's just the usual but then um, back in 2016 we had our first child our little daughter and when I was pregnant, actually, it, the kind of realisation started to seep in that, yeah, we had this good job each, but we we had a child coming now and we wouldn't have a lot of time to spend with her because we were working long hours. And even though we liked her job, like there was stuff that we didn't like about it. We didn't like having to ask our boss if we could go on holiday um, saying that I had a really good boss, like I've got no complaints about that, but you know, just, the, just the thought of it. Um, and when Lauren was born, like I do remember when I went back to work, um, like I was literally like running for the train in the morning, dropping her off at nursery, 
like running to my office. Um, the only break I really had was lunch, but you kind of sat and had your break at your desk kind of thing. Um, and then doing the reverse on the way back and then putting her to bed. And yeah, it just wasn't the life we wanted. So we kind of started thinking about what what was we wanted to do. We always had been interested in property. Like I loved watching Homes Under the Hammer and just the, all the usual things. But I kind of just always thought, oh, that's just like rich people that buy property. Like I didn't realise there was like another way to do it. I just thought, well, we would have to save, save, save for a deposit, then buy a property and like it's a slow burner over time. Um, and I just didn't see like we were spending like just doing the usual stuff um so we weren't extravagant but yeah we did like our nice holidays and going out even when yeah, Lauren yeah. came along and obviously childcare is a massive cost and yeah. um, we also had doggy daycare because our dog had to be looked after so she went to like basically a childminders as well um yeah and basically um we went along and did like a um we like a free hour um and actually we we're like oh my god this is like something completely different like we could do this and uh, we didn't we didn't have a lot of money and in actual fact like when i look back i think we had all the excuses in the world not to do what we did mm. um because obviously you've got to like doing training like it costs money you've got to invest in yourself to, to do it and we had this we had our little daughter um, we actually had our wedding plan, so this was probably kind of, I think it was like, we did like that hour, like in August 2016, and we signed up and we did our three day in um, October 2016 with Caroline. Um, but at that time, um, we had booked a wed our wedding in the April in 2017. And what I didn't know at that point was by the January, I was going to be pregnant. Uh, with our little surprise baby um there's not that much between us so yeah we absolutely like had tons of stuff going on um a lot of costly things going on um, and obviously like having two kids like under two like there's a yeah. lot of stuff that it takes up mind space and like one making sure that we're doing the best thing for our family but the biggest driver I think that we had and it gave us the kind of grit I suppose to to really push out our comfort zone and do the things that felt really really tough but the biggest thing was our two kids um we wanted to spend time with them when they were young before they went to primary school um, and one of the things I always said was I wanted to be able to like drop my my children off at school and pick them up and I know for a lot of people that will seem quite a small thing um but that is honestly one of our biggest whys as a family same, same for me yeah yeah, yeah. Same for me. exactly yeah the same. and it's it's not to say that we'll do it maybe every single day like yeah. and obviously it's not always me and Darren does it now but we can and we can choose um and yeah i've been like basically we bought our first property in february 2017 which was like the a normal ex-local authority two-bed terraced house in a very rentable town with all the fundamentals um and then we just moved on from there and built a portfolio of buy to lets 
through for over well actually up to now we are st- we will still buy a buy to let I, I love them um obviously we're looking at other strategies now but um they are an absolute gem like of like a portfolio because they don't give you that much hassle yeah you you have the odd one every now and then that you've got to deal with but um they're they're so safe they're safe as houses right um as long as you do it right um so yeah we've basically built up a portfolio i left my full-time job um january let me think actually january 2019 Um, so what's the the time frame there so you've got so young family wedding to pay for another baby on the way doggy daycare cost of living how, how how long do you think it took you to sort of cover those you know because life's expensive right you know it, we, we have it we have a monthly figure in mind what what it costs to, to to run our lives as a family so how long do you think it took you to 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 hit that figure from income generated from your property portfolio so like on the like on paper like the absolute basics we were probably okay for me like within mm. about a year and a half we didn't go as fast as some others um but we obviously had tons of other stuff going on right so we did it in the way that we felt comfortable um, and yeah. we still pushing ourselves we definitely pushed ourselves out of comfort zone and <laughs> mm. um, with everything going on but um so from buying that first property in february 2017 i left my job by january 2019 Right. I'd actually planned to leave that year round about the July, August mm. time. However, in January, I got the opportunity of redundancy. So obviously that was a really, really good thing for me. And I, I do remember back thinking it was quite a weird feeling because um, like I got offered redundancy purely because the company had been bought over and, and they were going in a slightly different tangent. And it totally worked for me to get offered that but I remember just being having such a cheeser on my face like <laughs> and like at, like walking into a room and like um my boss and somebody from HR were sitting there and I was like oh my god like is this actually what I think it is but having to obviously be reserved about that yeah. and then them constantly asking me if I needed a break from the conversation or like am I okay and I'm like honestly guys I'm fine like just keep going I do I need to go and scream in the corridor yeah (laughs) (laughs) I probably should have gone to the toilet I've heard some people doing that like in the same situation but yeah it it was amazing because basically I walked out there that day I had um a lot more time then Mm. um because at that point I was back I was building back up I was back at work three days building up to full time I had Lauren and Murray by that point. Murray was um, 10 months at that point. Um, So I wanted to spend more time with my kids, but I knew I had to go back to my job for a short time. So to walk out that, and I remember remember the day so clearly, like I I jumped, I went on the train, I actually went for a coffee with my boss afterwards and we're chatting and it was good. And then I jumped on the train and I phoned Darren because he was working from home that day. And I was like, you'll never guess what's happened. And like I made him guess it uh, and he's like oh my god I was like yeah so yeah that was really the big turning point for me and yeah. it really 
it really it was a weird transition though because I think if you're so used to being in the corporate environment for so long that all of a sudden you're you're out your job mm. um but the the amazing thing for me was well I was getting a year's salary effectively from my job and I didn't need to work but also I had built up a portfolio and I very much used that following year to continue to build our portfolio and then Darren left um, actually in, in November 2020 um, very same thing happened to him so um, yeah we've stars, definitely stars been blessed. Yeah. yeah it's weird yeah. like I yeah. don't like it's not like we put it out there that we wanted redundancy mm-hmm. or anything but yeah like stars did align and it's funny like sometimes when you do like put things out to the universe yeah. I suppose it's like that that book like the secret and stuff like mm-hmm. that it's like there is something like quite in a good way creepy in the universe that things do work out yeah. Um, and the way that they're supposed to. So yeah, it's definitely helped us because like our flip that we're just about finished just now, like we literally use some of the money from Darren's redundancy mm. just to drop into that. Yeah. Um, and it, it's all just helped us move on. So was it, you know, it, in the lead up to you hitting that sort of financial security figure and, and covering the basics of what it costs to live, was did you achieve that exclusively through buy-to-lets at that stage or um you know how did your strategy sort of evolve as you went through mainly by to lets if i'm honest um we did we did flip a few um but mainly by to lets um and like if i think back to one of the flips we did it was actually a buy to let we spent too much on the refurb one and we just decided to flip it on um rather than keep it and i Darren always laughs now, he's like, oh, how are you enjoying doing these flips now? Because you never wanted to sell anything. Like, I just had, I, mean, I don't get emotional about my bikelets, but I always kind of call them, or they're like my little babies. Yeah. Um. So I just didn't like selling any of them. Um, but basically where we stay, if you kind of draw like, um, if you think of like an hour drive time roundabout where we stay, there's an absolute abundance of areas that work really, really well for buy-to-lets. Um, and like, and I suppose we're quite lucky that way that, that that basic strategy, which is the best, in my opinion, the best thing to start with, um, because it's obviously like kind of low cost of entry, low risk, um, as, long as, as long as you're following the right process, because um, obviously you can, you can make bad, mistakes and buy to lets as well but it's relatively low risk compared to other things um then it was a no-brainer for us to do buy to lets um and we didn't with like we're obviously in hmos now but we didn't actually see when we started i was like dan i don't want to do hmos um however things change um, and obviously the, the cash flow that you make in an HMO when I look at the HMO we've got all being well like and everything works to plan then it's worth in terms of cash flow about four of our buy-to-lets or yeah. four of our, some of our buy-to-lets so it's an absolute no-brainer and and I don't know about you Mark but as we've gone through like the the refinance process is like we've got to do it right because that's going to give us the money back so that we can we can use it again but it can be a pain in 
pain in the bum sometimes um and like when I think about HMO like I'm like god yeah like we're only having to go through through the purchase process once the refurb process once yeah it's bigger but just once and the refinance process we're only having to go through it once yeah and as opposed to having to do five buy to lets to achieve the same outcome basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah sorry i've gone off on a total tangent i've just realized um no, that's good it's great <laughs> it's, it's always it's always interesting because everybody's journey is different isn't it everybody's kind of route map and um how they progress through their their sort of property investment is always different so it's always fascinating to sort of first of all hear what drives people in the first place but also how their sort of strategy evolves as, as they go through so what what's been your best deal to date would you say um let me think well i'm hoping the current flip will be my best deal today yeah. uh, the, I obviously, yeah, the next i know i know i don't i don't want to share like i don't want to assume like put it out yeah. there what figure i think i'm going to get like on the the sales figure um but when i when i done my numbers going into the deal um I'm, i was kind of looking about like a forty thousand pounds um profit so yeah that's pre-tax though but um yeah can i rent what's, what's, what's the project there tell us a little bit about the property and what you're doing to it yeah so basically it was a two-bed terraced house a really small like um village in, in glasgow like i was saying earlier on it's it's i mean i can't tell you how lovely this village is like i'm on the facebook group i've been walks with the neighbors um my neighbors are amazing like whoever buys this house is going to be so lucky because they're they're totally one to watch with the amazing neighbors that are there um but it's it's not a huge house it's just a little two-bed house downstairs um so the it was empty for two years basically the couple who'd moved in there i think about 10 15 years ago um they'd split up went their separate ways and didn't sell the house for some reason um but um one of them had um, decided to buy another house and that's what triggered putting it on the market um they knew an estate agent um and um i knew that estate agent it wasn't her area so she contacted me did I want to go and see this um, for one of our relatives looking to sell? I did. I went along. Um, I paid pretty much home report value on it. Um, so purchase price was um, £100,500. Um, it basically needed everything. Um, one of the biggest things that, I mean, it was scary for me, but probably not scary for somebody else, was a garden. The garden was a horror show. It was like you couldn't see the garden because it was just all weeds. It's also the gardens. It's like you've got to go out the back door, then up some steps, and then there's like a flat patio. Well, there is now a flat patio area, and then it's like a, a steep slope. So really, all you can do is like put some shrubs and terrace it off. And um, but anyway, I recently found a really really good gardening company and i basically got them along and just said what would you do with this because mm. i have no freaking idea what to do with it so there was a lot of work going in the garden and um, we've had to not had to put a new roof on it but had to do work with a tree, tree growing out the chimney basically 
new soffits, new downpipe, new guttering. It's got a little flat roof at the vestibule with the front door, so that's all replaced. Um, new windows, new doors. Yeah, uh, you're I getting know. the draft, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm basically just rhyming off everything. The only thing, actually, that it didn't need was a new boiler and three radiators. Um, we had to knock down just like a kind of partition wall um, between the kitchen and the dining area. So it's all now opened out. We've got a lovely breakfast bar, brand new, um, lovely kitchen, um, nice open plan. It's all white and it's not all white and grey. It does have colour in it, actually. Uh, I'm so used to doing white and grey in my bytelets. I've, I've done something slightly different, but still muted enough that anyone will be able to walk in and, and see how they can make it their own. Um, it's also got a garage as well, but it's round the corner and that's the thing that we're dealing with now. Um, so yeah, all in, we're probably going to end up spending about, um, I think I'm about 39,000 right now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a decent sized project. Yeah. Um, but yeah. um, yeah, so it'll be going on the market quite shortly. I, I've got my estate agent coming round tomorrow. Um, I'm going to probably chat to him about maybe doing some sort of coming soon for it. Mm. Um, albeit people in the village do know like what's happening with it because yeah. I mean, quite a few of my workmen have been like approached about oh, like what's she doing with it? Is she selling it? Is she moving in and stuff like that? So. Right. It's one of those sorts of places that everyone will know. <laughs> and when you do your flips, do you do you hold out for that sort of premium price, or do you you effectively put a bit of a buyer's premium in there in order to 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 shift it and, and to sell it as as quickly as possible? What's your strategy at at the sales end? Yeah. So when so I've got a figure that I, I worked out well you can practically work that out based on the numbers <laughs> I've already given you I'm sure the listeners will be able to as well but um that was based on what I'd looked at in terms of sales comparables um the market is mental particularly in this area there's not much that goes up for sale and anything that is going up it's going like hotcakes yeah so I've, I've got a figure that I would be very pleased with um but I'm not going to be uh, my view on flips is I want a safe sale. Mm. Um, I want to make, obviously, I want to make a profit in it. Um, most, like, our next flip has got a bit of a tighter margin on it, albeit you just never know in, in the current market, but it does have a bit of a tighter margin on it. But I generally won't go into a flip for anything less than £20,000, just so that I've got a bit of buffer there, obviously. If anything does crop up, and something always does, right? <laughs> and a yeah. refurb um, could be a really small thing, but it could be bigger. So, yeah, I'll always factor in about £20,000 uh, if I'm going into a flip, just so that I can weather that if I need to, and I've got a contingency anyway in the refurb budget. But, yeah, I'm probably more interested in a safe sale yeah. so if I had like for example if I had somebody um I'm not sure if you, I'm assuming you probably would do the same mark yeah. um but like if I had somebody who is offering me I don't know like 250,000 on a property but they had to go and get a mortgage yeah. um they were going for like a 90% mortgage that sort of stuff versus somebody who's downsizing and has got it cash, but mm. they're only willing to offer 240. 
if that still gave me enough profit, I'd probably go with the 240. Yeah, we had the same thing. We were selling it. We actually sold an HMO last year and um, exactly that conversation with the agent that was selling it on our behalf, you know, came back with the feedback on the initial launch and, and what interest they'd had. And, you know, we'd had a couple of offers on the table and they said, look, one of them is basically asking price. Um, we don't know them. They just contacted us through the website. My understanding is they need a mortgage, et cetera, et cetera versus um this other chap who's buying loads of stuff with us at the moment we we know him really well he's really active in the area um and he was offering i think it was like 5k less something like that but that was the that was the one that we went with um just because you know the last thing you want as we're seeing from a buying perspective the last thing we want is to be three months down the road and the deal falls out of bed and we've got to start all over again with marketing and everything else so yeah we're, i think that makes a lot of sense doesn't it yeah, well, definitely. What about, um, so I like to ask this question when I, when I catch up with, with other investors, because we're quite good at painting a rosy picture of, all, you know, we get excited talking about all the deals we're doing, that sort of thing. But what about the challenges? What about mistakes made along the way or, or anything maybe our, our listeners could learn from where, you know, you, you, you just got something a little bit wrong or, or something that you found particularly challenging in your journey so far? Yeah, I mean, I think, just thinking back, like, we did, a lot of people, like, I, I come across, like, have issues with finding right builders and stuff yeah. like that, and I would say that's probably one thing, I mean, we're still learning about that right now, because I'll kind of dip into a few different projects just mm. to kind of paint the picture, because yeah. it isn't always rosy, and you do always see the highlight reel on, on social media, but the reality is, can be quite different uh, like to that um doesn't mean it's not worth doing what we do but um it, it's not all sunshine and roses so like way back i think this was 2017 actually um we bought a property solid two bit two bed house ex-local authority no different to a lot of our others um we bought it um try to think back now did we pay 47 or something for it um but good solid house um when we started the refurb um we just realized there was quite a lot of stuff going wrong our builder was kind of going slow at that point we were using a full service builder um and like literally like handing the keys over um and then like getting them back. I just didn't have a lot of time to be to be in and out the project. And I think there was maybe things going on with our builder at the time, but it was going pretty slow. Some of the jobs weren't done great. Um, and I remember us having to get plastered and redone and things like that. Um, there was a bit of damp that wasn't picked up uh, until very late in the day. So we had to kind of tear off bits of the wall to put the damp proof course in and then kind of put it back together again so it was just dragging on dragging on dragging on the budget was overstretched had gone actually over the contingency mm. um, and earlier on i mentioned we did sell one uh, and this was this was that one um yeah. i'd seen that a property had sold um across the way um and i'd sold what it had gone for it wasn't as nice as ours uh, and I thought, do you know what, rather than leaving money in the deal for, for too long, then at that point we were like no more than leave, like leaving money in for up to two years. And this was potentially going to be like five years. Mm -hmm. um, so we were like, no, let's just put it in the market, see what happens. 
um, and actually put it in the market. Second viewer liked it, basically offered the home report price, and we walked away with seven grand, basically. Um, mm. And but that was in my head. That was we walked away with seven grand from a mistake yeah. because we didn't potentially we didn't cost the refurb as high as we should have done. Mm. Um, our builder was going slower. There was mistakes that were made that ended up kind of costing us money and time. Mm. Um, so we did take quite a lot of learnings from that project. And and since then, one of the, the big changes we made was um, because obviously around the time I, I was leaving my job, I decided to take be just a wee bit more active. Mm. Um, so I um, started co-managing projects with my brother um, on our jobs. Um, my brother is an electrician and he'd worked on our jobs. We kind of plugged him into the full service builder. That was one of the conditions. Um, but he'd actually recently set up his own company. Um, so basically he coordinates the jobs with us. So the way it works now is like I know everyone working for like on our jobs which I really like and um, I mm. don't want to be at the the projects that mm. often um but I do need that level of trust yeah. uh, obviously the flip we've got just now it's literally like 15 minutes from our house so like I'll sometimes nip up there or like I've met a few people there for coffee which is really nice <laughs> um but um basically I do the plan um, I buy all the material like the big materials like the kitchen the bathroom and things like that um, and my brother deals with the coordination of making sure the team are on site when they need to be on site and deals with the be interesting to hear your thoughts on this Mark actually one of the things I, I quickly learned was like trade guys moan yeah like and things are like our, our guys are we've got such a good team now like I, I cannot like say like yeah they still moan every now and then but they're not that bad but in general like I got so hacked off and I just it was kind of taking so much of my energy with like the plumber moaning that the joiner had left the big mess because he was like like I don't know like when he was sorting the door like all the dust went over into the bathroom and that's where I, like I just can't be bothered yeah. listening to it it's just like we'll just go on with it clean up as you go it's not difficult yeah um it's, it's our job as investors to be solution focused isn't it and to deal with the the daily dramas and uh you know all the stuff that gets thrown up yeah i, I can relate to that that's for sure yeah so that that's basically that probably that's the biggest thing that came out of like doing that project where yeah we made mistakes things things didn't go that well was the realization that I have to find a way to do this mm. that one I put I had to put quite a lot of effort up front to get the process working and we still try and improve it now but I'm kind of at the point that like if, if it's a buy to let we're buying I literally I mean I've had like our decorator um, who also organizes a rip out to go and get the keys go and like yeah pick up the property so I've possibly like I'm just thinking that one like kind of a few months ago like I don't I didn't see it for the first two weeks yeah. but I wasn't worried like because they know what they're doing they've got a, we've got a process we do the same thing in the bike flats all the time yeah. um I've been more involved in the flip because 
we've we've not got it. Like I think a lot of flips have to be a bit different because it's it's maybe slightly different areas, yeah. slightly different in customers. Yeah. So, which is quite exciting yeah. for me because I think you can be a lot more creative with it. Yeah. So what's the what's the one piece of advice then you'd give to somebody else just starting out? <laughs> um, just one. I'm only allowed one. <laughs> your your um, absolute golden nugget. <laughs> um, the the biggest thing that is is driven me is when things get tough, like to always go back to why you're doing it. Yeah and use that to pull yourself through yeah like i always always believe you need to be pushing yourself out your comfort zone and not to the nth degree not like that you're you're like having a nervous breakdown but you you need to push yourself out your comfort zone to make things change but it's hard sometimes and you need to be reminding yourself constantly about why am i doing this yeah yeah, that makes sense. It's, you've got to be both feet in it, haven't you? I think I think I see quite a lot of, you know, people who've got one foot in it, but they've got one foot out almost like trying to prove to themselves that it doesn't work or the market's not right or something like that. You've got to be both feet in, fully committed. And, um, you know, that the, what keeps consistently coming out of these chats that, that, that I get to have with investors like yourself is this refusal to make excuses for themselves. You know, and, you know, you, you, you're you a great example of that, you know, young family in tow, you know, trying to do all of these things through some of the most challenging market conditions. Um, and I think, you know, hopefully that's inspirational for, for, for people listening who can, you know, look at themselves and actually strip back some of those excuses and go, you know, no, that this is the best time to start, you know, the best time yeah. to start now. Yeah, because yeah, uh-huh, you'll sit in like five, ten years time and always wonder what if. Yeah. And can I, can I, sorry, I know I'm totally no, rabbit right. on, but just yeah. to, just as an example of that, yeah. um, I've got a client of mine who um, is relatively early on in, in their property career and um, I think they've got their first deal accepted and basically they, they got approached um, by a sourcer who had brought them a deal and it looks a really good deal, but they didn't actually know the street. Um, and they were on the phone to me talking to me about this deal and um, at the same time what they were doing was getting their little ones so they've got like a um, one-year-old they were getting them in their pajamas this is like half five last night um, they were getting them in their jammies um, to get them into the car so that they could go and drive and see this area and just make sure that they're kind of comfortable with the area so that they could go back and say yeah I'm really interested um, and I'd, I'd be up for that deal like obviously subject to seeing the home report and doing a viewing but I remember like when I was when I was talking to him on the phone I was like do you know what this is exactly what like I remember doing way back at the beginning I was I was a crazy lady turning up to viewings um because I've been called the hour before by the agent and I'm turning up to a viewing with a baby in a baby carrier and a baby on my arm and like that's how I got the deals yeah. So yeah. to see that somebody else doing that, like I can yeah. tell already that they're going to do really well yeah. in property because they're willing to push themselves out of their comfort zone, doing things that 
like it'd be much easier for him to say oh, I'm just going to sit on the sofa like I've got my wee one like I can't I can't go and do that I'll yeah. just let this one go um, yeah. I think that to me that makes a difference and when I see people doing that you, yeah. I don't know you can tell that they're going to make it yeah absolutely and I think that's a great great message for us to to end on it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you Jill if any of our listeners did want to reach out to you as I'm sure they will after this interview what's the best way for them to get in touch with you Probably the best way is either Facebook, Instagram, um, if they just search for Jill Green, uh, it's Jill Green Property on Instagram, Jillian Green on Facebook, and they can follow Mila Homes. That's our that's our limited company, but we've got um, Mila Homes on Facebook, which is all, all things property as well. Perfect. And we'll, we'll pop all of that in the show notes as well. So everybody's got, got access to the, uh, thank you so much for that, Jill. Absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, take care of yourself and, uh, I'll speak to you soon. Oh, thanks so much, Mark. Have a good take day. Care, Jill. Bye. How good was that? What an inspirational story whilst also being so relatable. It just goes to show you that with persistence and consistency, you can build a life-changing property portfolio, even when most people are making excuses and getting in their own way. If you enjoyed this episode, firstly, give us a like and a subscribe so that you never miss another episode. And then why not head over to the Property Wealth System community page on Facebook where you can connect with Jill, myself, and a whole host of other like-minded property people sharing tips and best practice and supporting each other along the way. I will see you on the next episode.